From Grain to Glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And this is the best beer no, beer, beer, beer show on the internet. <laughs> wow. What? I don't know what happened there. <laughs> That's all, folks. Yep. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, before I get too deep here, I want to give a big shout out to the American Homebrewers Association. They do a lot of support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us. During the AHA, we'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the furl link on our homepage and join today. Also, I'm going to give a big shout out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornson, Tyler Romanski, Hop and Barrel Brewing, Brian Bryanson, Devin Stinson, and Phil Feldman. If you'd like to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash or Click on the patron link on our homepage at uh, blindedstudios.com. And then while you're there, go ahead and click on the store link at blindedstudios.com or go over to teespring.com slash stores slash blindedstudios and check out some of our cool merch. All right. Dude, uh, the, the devster uh, hit me up with a little video of him busting a gut over. Like He was in his car and he took this video and sent it to me of. Me calling him the Devster. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I said that. <laughs> the Devster. The Devmeister. Dev now we're just all Averman from Mighty Ducks. <laughs> oh, my God. I was going to get a message about this, too. <laughs> oh, man. I feel like we're setting expectations way too high for yeah, when he's here. Yeah, probably. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, Brian, uh, what have you been up to uh, brewing-related lately or beer related uh you guys uh how's the i guess how's the new facility coming let's talk about that i'm just gonna ask pointed questions oh, here it's going really well um we're still being we're still optimistic about a september opening uh you know awesome that's so very cool once that's very once quick. we get the it's it's the um plumbing permitting and some of how but you gotta poop somewhere well yeah and then some of how the plumbing inspection uh sort of operates and i guess that that's the hill they die on in minnesota and okay. minnesota liquor laws are just just re- goddamn ridiculous you know minnesota if you're listening just just you need to figure it out okay you got breweries leaving your, your state left and right oh yeah minnesota's having a problem yeah it's it's an issue it's a mess so figure it out um but yeah anyway um i'm really hoping for september sometime around awesome. there so, you, uh, how about you? Me, uh, I spent some time in Minneapolis. I went to Modest. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I uh, hadn't been there since pre-pandemic. Oh. That was uh, that was fun. And when? I, uh, when? Uh, last Thursday. Oh, okay. I went to Modest last Thursday, and then I uh, went to Brit's Pub to have some really nice English beers mm. on Saturday night. Yeah, were you at a date? Uh, Thursday. Yawn, no, yeah, Thursday, yes. Uh Saturday, no. Saturday, I called you because, uh, well, I'll talk to you. That's yeah, we can talk off. Yeah, that's off air. <laughs> um, yeah, that's off air stuff. Um, I want to see a picture of this woman you went on a date with. Uh, um, oh, okay. <laughs> yep. And then, uh, yeah, so then um, I've been chatting back and forth with Elsa a little bit. Uh, we are brewing on Friday. Yeah, so I'm very Alice excited about that. Yep. What are you guys uh, coming up with? Uh, we are doing, well, we're doing the Tropical Stout. Well, that's right. The Tropical Stout collab. Awesome. Uh, that's finally happening Friday. I am so excited. Um, he's basically getting back from Mexico, and then the next day we're brewing. No, so, that's, that's uh, yeah, so next next week I'll have a little bit more of, uh, I'll be able to talk about brewing on that system and stuff. I'm very excited. It's that uh, one barrel, like, big brew in a bag system. That's mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of cool. So, yeah, so uh, hope I'm hoping and like, around, timing should work where... 
Uh, end of September, I should have a beer on tap at the garage, which would be that's very exciting. That's ridiculously cool, yeah. dude. I don't care. I don't care who you are. Right? It's really cool. I'll have more beers than Hoffman Barrel does there. <laughs> I think they're out again. That's but. because our beers sell really fast there. <laughs> they, they very pointedly told me that that I is know. why. I like, know. <laughs> <laughs> like, cause I, I think I sent you that, that thing on like Thursday night yeah. and they were gone by Saturday. Yeah. And so. that's amazing. Yeah. It's fantastic. I love, I love it, man. All right. Uh, so we're going to, uh, do our commercial calibration and then, uh, we are going to, uh, continue our discussion on Blam. We're doing yeast and fermentation. Uh, so that'll be really exciting. Uh, this week commercial cal- calibration is Guinness. And before we pop this, uh, next week, Ooh, we- baby. or well, Brian just popped, but, uh, <laughs> next week we will be doing uh, Sierra Nevada pale ale. I realized I forgot to announce that last time. So I want to make sure I get it right up at the top. Um, a lot of you guys, uh, Message in and said that you can find uh, Sierra Nevada all over Europe. So yeah, keep those suggestion suggestions rolling into um, for things you can get in various yep. places because we're we're pretty resourceful. Yeah. So yeah, we're we're doing what we can to find what we can. Um, I think uh, we might be doing like some old speckled hen or something coming up. Oh and, yeah, because that one seems pretty. Common. Well, I haven't had that one in a hot minute either. But we're pouring these uh, these pounders, uh, the sixteen ounce here can the nitro can. Well, fourteen point nine fluid ounces. Yeah. Oh. Uh, okay. Yep. It says twelve ounce serving size, even though it looks like to be in a sixteen ounce can. Yeah, but it says fourteen point nine oh, fluid does. ounces on the on the on the can. Why don't you tell me that a third time so I get it? And okay, yeah. so it's fourteen point nine fluid ounces right here on the can. <laughs> anyway, we're looking at a very healthy cascade. This is this can. You can hear the nitrogen widget. It's the nitro can. Um, it's the U.S. nitro can. I don't know if there's a difference. I don't either. Um, worldwide, so we're kind of working with what we got here. But yeah, beautiful cascade. I've got a good little finger, finger and a half ahead oh, in my yeah, glass. It's that, that beautiful toffee it's colored. It's, yeah, just Fucking gorgeous. Cheers, man. Cheers. What a nice beer here. Aroma is just that classic uh, roast, a um, little bit of chocolate. Yep. Uh-huh. Mm. Very dry, almost coffee-like in the aroma. Almost coffee-like, very dry. Yeah. That uh, that roasted barley is like the first thing I get on the on the palate. Ooh, I wouldn't. I don't know. Why I wouldn't go so far as to call it soft roast, which is kind of almost like <laughs> like contradicting contradicting itself. Yeah. Well, but so the, think, the nitrogen softens it so yeah, much, uh-huh. softens that what would be probably almost ac- inaccurate, almost acrid, and it makes it just this very palatable darkness. Like it's it's more astringent. Yeah. Than like. You, you would think it is. And it's pretty dry, too. I would l- like to understand uh, how this beer attenuates, like what their gravity is. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's it ends at, what, is it 4.2% or something? 4%? Yeah. This is interesting because they've got, wow, calories, carbs, protein, and fat so on you, this can. Using the calories, you could probably figure out, well, I guess just the alcohol content. How do you figure out how many calories are in something? Don't you have to burn it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. So calories is all about uh, like the the stored energy, in, yeah. like the carbohydrate energy, basically. Interesting. So this is another. This is a fine time to remind uh, that a little bit of roasted barley goes a long, a way. long in, way in, a, in any given five gallon or nineteen liter recipe. Yep. So be careful. Um, yep. So we actually uh, we tasted <coughs> this and. 
we tasted the Guinness uh, extra st- or extra foreign stout when we were doing the Every Style Challenge, mm-hmm. um, and they were, I mean, they were very like uh, roasted barley forward because that's like the signature ingredient, but they weren't overwhelmingly roasted barley. I was gonna, I'm gonna pull up a Guinness clone recipe. Just I should have already have done that, and I I apologize for um, typing. But there's a there's a sweetness. Like, kind of, like, halfway through the sip. Mm-hmm. So, like, I get hit with the roasted barley, and then I get hit with this... I don't, what What is that? Like, it's, um... There's like, almost... It's like a dark... There's, no, like a milk chocolate, almost. It's like a... Almost like a milk chocolate... Yeah, like milk chocolate. Swiss mix. Like, not, Swiss mix, like... It's, that's, it's missing the vanilla. Yeah. The chocolate. Yeah. Part. So it's not, not as, I don't know, what, rounded? I don't know. It's not as rounded. It's not as, like, it's, yeah. So it's it's chocolate without the vanilla. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I've, I've got an actual, like, British recipe up here. I don't have percentages, which I really apologize. I should have that. <clears throat> I'll do, I'll do uh, both of them. So for five grain, 19 liter, they're saying that it starts at 1038 and attenuates at 1006, which makes sense because... This beer is definitely uh, dry. Very dry. Uh, there, there's no question there. Uh, now, recipe-wise, we're looking at five pounds of English two-row pale ale, two, uh, or 2.3 kilograms. 2.5 pounds or 1.1 kilograms of flaked barley. Ah, um, that makes sense. That uh, what, was, what was the next uh, pounds? Uh, it was five pounds, 2.5 pounds. The flaked barley, that's interesting to me. Um, that's that's definitely going to cause a little bit of a of a, that smoothness. To kind of hate using that word. I'm sorry, but that's just there's no other way to cut it like yeah. smooth. And then once we get to the yeast strain, we'll we'll talk more about that. But one pound of roasted barley, so 0.45 kilograms. So that's a very is that is that the entire amount, Bill? That's it. All right. So uh, so that's eight and a half total pounds. Mm-hmm. So if we look at I, I'm I'm working on getting percentages real quick. Five divided by eight. Uh, point five. That is fifty eight percent, fifty nine percent, and then it was two point two five. You said. Yep. Um, divided by eight point five is twenty six percent, and the remaining okay. percentage. Well, that's almost that's almost twenty percent roasted barley. That's a heck of a lot more than I thought. Yeah. So I I I don't know if you've played with roasted barley at all. Not for a lot um, of years, but when so I, it's I, porters, I it, made a lot of. It's it's strong, but it's it's uh you need a lot more than you think, mm-hmm. um especially like if if that's accurate, um you and it does it's not as dark as you'd think because you get those like so this is not a black beer by any means no this is a ruby beer mm-hmm. it's dark ruby hue. Ruby hue. Um, crystal clear, dark ruby hues. Uh, if we had the patented beer light up, which I've been real <laughs> slow on getting that, I need, really need to get that. Weeks up. have gone by. Weeks have gone by. I'm so, you know what? I think I'm I'm gonna wait, and I'm gonna wait for the episode when Devin's on, and then we can <laughs> like get the new patented beer light. He can christen it. Maybe he'll help us set it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard. You got to plug it in. He's like a home inspector or something. He's, he's probably handy. Oh, I don't want to inspect my home and see what kind of terrible things I bought. <laughs> Speaking of which, you just bought a home, man. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, bought a, bought a home in a, in a village of 265 people on the edge of town in a dead-end a dead road. Oh, yeah. Hermit Brian is coming out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Anywho, so now back to this recipe. We're talking uh, 12. They want 12 AAU. Uh, that's how they chose to list it in this particular recipe of EKGs. And that is alpha acid units. Yeah, East Kent Golding. So 2.4 ounces at 60 or 68 grams of, if you want it, you want to stay around 5% alpha acid. And then this is two, I think. Uh, let's see, 12. I don't know, 12 AAU. I wonder how that translates to IBU. Um, I don't think it does directly. Okay, well, 2.4 ounces. That sounds like, um, but that here, sounds like can, a bit. I can. Uh, hot 60. bittering calculations, calculating IBUs. Okay, uh, one AAU is equal to... All right. Oh, man. Well, they, I have the thing. So AAU is equal to weight times percent alpha acid. So a weight of 2.4 ounces times 5%. Yeah. Um, do conversion. More conversioning. I just want a calculator. Yeah. All right. So an IBU, you take the um, AAU and multiply it by seventy-four point four. Okay. Well, I, yeah, yeah. Anyway, AAU, yeah. Okay. At the behest of dead air, I I could say that it is oh wart volume in gallons times utilization percentage. Oh my god, that's a lot of work. While you're do- derping with that, I can talk about how you could make this into a. I'm not gonna derp. Don't with do this. it. Don't derp it then. Well, uh, you could use some LME here. So uh, three point three pounds of Marisotter LME, one point two five pounds of English Pale Ale malt. Uh, and then your flaked barley and your roasted barley at 1.25 and one pounds. Huh. Interesting. I ju- it just seems like there's a few, a firmer bitterness to this and I can't tell if it's, oh, it's, I, 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 it's, it's coming. It's, it's a firmer perceived bitterness from the roast. Mm-hmm. I, I, that has to be it. It has to be. Cause it's not a hot bitterness at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing when you're building these, uh, these darker rest these stout recipes, and you're using these roasted malts, you need to factor that into your bitterness level. Yeah, and this if, is all, all at 60 minute in the boil, and so you can, you can I mean, you can throw pretty much whatever at Whatever this you want. Challenge your um, target, man. I would use, I, if you wanted to stay like, I don't know, quote unquote traditional, I'd use a UK hop, like yeah. um, use like an EKG or something. And, Definitely stick with a uh, UK. Or a Fuggle or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, oh, oh, I, I don't really have anything else to say. This finish is super dry, do. and with the nitro, it's yeah, it's nice and creamy. I've had it on, not on the nitro, and I mean the nitro is just better. This, excuse me, it's dangerously drinkable. So, uh, but it's also only four percent, so yeah. it's appropriately. I don't drinkable. feel bad about it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, I, I loved the fact um, a a can of Guinness is only one hundred and twenty calories. That's pretty boss hoss too, man. Right. And that, that's, so that's really good, actually. It's you're like, oh, this is my diet beer. Yep. And it's not a bad diet beer. And it feels for some people very heavy. So I I remember turning 21 and going out to the bar and they're like, oh goodness, it's a meal in the glass. And I was like, oh, it's so thick. And now I'm like, give me 17. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk. Let's talk yeast and fermentation, specifically looking at Belgian styles. Mm-hmm. So uh, we get past this beautiful photo montage. Yes. Um, looking at grain and stuff. People and crop and yeast. Uh, we, this, this chapter starts with an interesting um, admission where we do not need to cultivate yeast from bottles anymore. 
Mm-hmm. Like, don't do that is essentially the like the gist of this chapter, at least the, fr- the front half of this chapter is do not try to cultivate yeast from Belgian bottles because that uh, I believe they say um, the the yeast has been through a lot by the time it's reached you at the bottom of that bottle. Right. It's going to be going to be pretty beat up. And, you know, like what's the other thing that three three of the breweries use yeast from West Mall. So that's you know four four of yeah. the, the main ones. That but can, between can, between White Labs and Y Yeast, uh, which is what they talk about in this book, and now like Omega and all these other yeast companies that have come up, they have the yeast that yeah, you need. you can get anything you want these days, and I think people are pretty free with their information. I don't think I think yeah. you know gone are the days where people are being super secretive about you know I mean there are some little proprietary things that maybe people don't want to let loose, but I, I, I'm comfortable telling you everything from grain to glass that we do at our brewery. I just, you know, don't think you're going to make it taste the same. I think, I think any brewer who's not comfortable doing that is an insecure brewer. There you go. Because, so, I mean, it's, it's one of the, you're not, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the quote of the, of the book here for me, or the quote, this is just an amazing quote and I totally forgot about this, but it, uh, it's Peter Buchart from New Belgium Brewing. Uh, he says, brewing is a compromise. You have to take into account so many factors. You can't look at the temperature as a sole factor. It's an interaction. And, you know, you need to see beer, any beer you create as a holistic thing. And I think that that can be applied to any part of the puzzle. That Exactly. You know what I mean? Water, and, all of it. Oh, it's, 100%. It's 100% a compromise. And we're, we're, uh, we're going we're gonna to be talking about those specifically. Um, what I really like is in this chapter, at the end of every section, they have a little, like, italicized trade-off. So we're talking about the trade-offs that we have to make in order to get different things and how you how you build your fermentation profile to get the result that you want. Ooh, and they have this handy chart too. And they have some they have some Y East and White Labs charts that are now out of date a little bit. Yeah, I wonder if they don't maybe don't do they still make WLP five hundred? I'd have to look. I, have to I don't. D- yeah, juggle that. Yeah. Um, so the the first thing we're going to talk about are esters and higher alcohols, or fusel alcohols is is what they're called now. Um, but yeah, so esters and fusel alcohols. And Brian, remind us what are esters and fusel alcohols? Ester is banana, and phenolics are clove. And we're going to talk about both of those things with these types of beers. You know, fusels are just uh, like like your higher gravity alcohol. Um. So they kind of represent, uh, it's produced during the primary fermentation in addition to the ethanol. So it's more harsh solvent-like, you know, what you'd think of if you'd stick your nose and waft a bottle of, like, you know, isopropyl mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, so these higher alcohols might might actually, they kind of increase the complexity of a beer. Um, and then, you know. And there, there's some fusels that we like but yes. for the most part we don't want them yes harsh we, hot solventy those are words that you don't want to talk about as far as any beer yeah and i think uh we're gonna have to do a siebel tasting like siebel off flavor tasting. you gotta do again. that again it's been a bunch of years it's been way too long and we need to do it on a homebrew bound instead of doo yeah <laughs> oh my god that's right <laughs> we, i don't think we've ever done it no what the hell uh, but yeah, so we'll have to do that again, and that will help everybody um, kind of understand these words. Uh, so what we're looking for uh, with these is we want to really like push forward some of these ester uh, ester flavors. Like you want that banana, you want that um, 
like those 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 bubblegum flavors. Yep. You want you that. want all of these big flavors coming from the yeast. And that happens with higher temperatures with these yeast varieties specifically. Now, if you read the yeast book, uh, yeast, <laughs> or listen to our yeast series, or listen to our yeast series, uh, you will know that uh, these strains that we're talking about are called POF positive. Or phenolic off flavor positive, or plenty of fish, plenty of fish, uh, and so you, normally POF is not appropriate in any style except for you know Belgian yep. saisons things like that. All right, um, and so two big <coughs> bullet points here: um, higher alco- alcohol production by yeast is directly correlated with the amount of yeast growth during fermentation. Yeast growth depends on another set of relationships, including original gravity, fermentation temp, and pitching rate. Ester production by yeast is inversely related to yeast growth. This relationship can be uncoupled by key process variables, especially trube and fermenter design. Yeah, fermenter design. So basically we're talking, Mm -hmm. like, what we're saying here is the higher, like, the more fusels are correlated with temperature and gravity and your pitching rate. Ester production is like stressed yeast. So the more like in traditionally, like the more stressed your yeast is, the more phenols and esters you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Um so our trade-offs for when, when we're looking at these, our most esters are desirable, some higher alcohols may be. Uh yeast growth promotes higher alcohol production and inhibits uh ester production. So now we're looking at okay, how much how like how much do we want our yeast to grow? How much do we want to like encourage our yeast to grow? Because the more the more of a of a big yeast boom, for lack of a better word, that we're going to have early on mm-hmm. is going to impact our fusel alcohols and our ester production. And I don't like the I don't like the term higher alcohol that they're using here because it's confusing. It, it's fusels. So it, yeah, I need to I need to remember to mentally well, switch that to fusels. Feel like that? I feel like that went the way of the dodo. Yeah. All right. So then we talk about, or we move into Belgian specific strains, which we have Belgian style strains. Don't worry about getting Belgian specific. Like if if a yeast purveyor has Belgian on it, it's a Belgian strain. Like Brian was saying, they're POF positive. Mm-hmm. Um, they're alcohol tolerant, and they will, they're highly yeah. attenuative. They'll they'll tolerate higher alcohol. They will attenuate. Well, those are kind that. of the, the <laughs> big three things. Faster. Yeah, okay, sorry. I was, right? got all excited to yeah. say those things, and you just... Oh, saying, I'm sorry. No, no, you're totally fine. Uh, but you, to 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 also bring up another point, they will uh, attenuate more quickly, definitely, than English yeast. And, I mean, there might be a correlation of how, like, dumb English yeast are with flocculation, how they just kind of charge around and stay up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think I, that would lead me to believe that these... These are flockers, you know. Yep. Uh, in, they get the job done and then go re- yeah. go to rest. In uh, in in the book, uh, they mention uh, Belgian distiller distilleries mm-hmm. are um, there. There was a paper about Belgian distilleries from 1895, saying Belgian distilleries know a good Belgian yeast if in 24 hours they have super high alcohol. Yeah. And I mean, these are the most similar yeast strains to like your wine. Yeast strains. Mm-hmm. Um, they have phenolic compounds that are pretty similar, or can be anyway, depending yep. on how you. Yeah, they're they're right on that edge of uh, Saccharomyces cerevisiae, or cerevisiae. My Cerve- la- my cerevisiae. Cerevisiae. My my Latin's terrible. I, I apologize. <laughs> 
<laughs> you okay there, Brian? <laughs> no. I, I don't know. Sometimes you, I, I don't know, funnier than you think. <laughs> anyway, you're not, you're not a dad, but you, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a dog. Dad, I'm a dog dad. So I'm a dog dad and I've embraced it. You're telling dad jokes before you. I got my socks up to my knees. Yeah, he has those New Balance <laughs> sneakers. They're, They're comfortable <laughs> for mowing the lawn. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, so then, so while we're selecting our yeast, we need to think about our alcohol and stuff like that. So trade-offs with selecting a Belgian yeast versus something else is higher original gravity produces more esters, as does higher attenuation. So when we're looking at these, like the higher, the higher we're starting um, and a more attenuative our yeast is, the more esters we're going to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, more aeration will lower ester production. That's so interesting to me. I mean, but it makes sense. Think about, uh, but so it goes hand in hand with what we with what we read before. Yeah. So with more aeration, what are we going to get, Brian? We're going to get more yeast growth. Yeah. Because there's more oxygen there's in the initial more, solution. More uh, what is called sterile synthesis. Yep. So we're going to get higher fusels and less esters, mm-hmm. um, which which makes sense. And then. Um, Belgian yeast naturally produce more esters, including some related to wheat yeast. Yeah, we um, forgot. We forgot about that part, kind of. That this for the idea of this <clears throat> ferulic acid rest mm. uh, at one forty or is it one fourteen? I don't remember. It's I'd have to look, but it's it's it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a low, you know, rest that will push um, phenolics, I believe. Um, so guys, we've been brewing a long time, uh, and we still have to look up all these <laughs> temperatures. Uh, 112, you're right. You will never get to a point where you don't have to look something up once. Well, I mean, I, I think about just the shows I've done with you, and I have learned so much, but still, Likewise. like, it's, I still have to refer, constantly refer to the, these books. And I've gotten notes, uh, from, from listeners being like, so you guys talked about this, like, here, and, like, this would have been a perfect time to rebring that up, and I'm like... I forgot that we talked about that. Yeah. Like, well, and then they're just getting too verbose on any one right. episode, which we're very good at. Ah, we are. We are. <laughs> uh, so, all right. Um, uh, Belgian yeast naturally produce more esters, including some related to uh, wheat yeast. Uh, Logsdon uh, notes, fusel alcohol raises perception of isoamyl acetate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't detected as strongly when fusels were lower. Uh, isoamyl Isoamyl acetate is. Isn't that it's banana? Yep. It's the banana and that banana and clove combo. I mean, it, any of these amyls are, you know, like fragrance. You know, anals are amyls. Amyls. Anals. Amyls. Amyls are phenols. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wait. What? No, they're esters. Esters. Yeah. So banana. Banana is an ester. Fruit. Clove is the phenol. Clove is phenol, yeah. I, I get those Dude, backwards. It's, yeah, I know. I hear you. I hear you. So, isoamyl acetate, that's, that's your banana. Yep. So, we want to lower the banana, get up those spices. So, now we get into temp. Temp is interesting. So, this book was, uh, oh, man, uh, came out, was written in what year? Do you remember? 20, 2005? 2005 was uh, a study that they did. No, mine's dated 2005. Yep, mine is too. All right, so 2005, it talks in here kind of derogatory about the (laughs) homebrewer. 
I mean, which I mean, we've done too. But um, it's it it says as the home brewer not to worry about your temperature too much because you can't control it. Well, we've we've talked about how that's no longer a thing, so we're going to kind of go at it from the pro side. Well, the the interesting thing here is. One yeast, three beers is one of the charts in here. And this, this is just, this is all over the place, okay? You know, you got Akel pitching they, 63 to 64 and not letting it top out past 72 to 73 or 17, 18 C. They're pitching, excuse me, and not letting it go past 22 to 23. Then you got the West Mall, which is like the originator of where these come from. They're pitching at 64 and topping it out at 68, which is really interesting. And they're, they're really like, well, so they're playing up the uh, more of the malt side. Mm-hmm. That too. Where uh, Aishel and West Vladerin, when we get there, they're more, um, like you get a lot more yeast character in them. Mm-hmm. And then Westie, of course, is starting at 62 and is... They're well, basically free rising to 84. They're letting it rip to 82, <clears throat> to 84, or 28, or 29 C, which I think is crazy. <clears throat> it's going to be a banana bomb, and it's going to be boozy as hell. Um, and, which, I guess, uh, after I said all those uh, mean things about <laughs> what they said, uh, this is a great... Belgian styles are perfect for the beginner home brewer, in my opinion. As far as your temp control, your... Um, I mean... All right, the perfect beer, the perfect beer that everyone should start with is a Hefeweizen, mm-hmm. because clarity doesn't matter. Uh, your fermentation uh, can roll all over the place, yep. and you're either going to get a lot of banana or a lot of clove, and you're going to end up with a drinkable Hefeweizen. Yeah, the only problem here with letting it um, free rise <clears throat> to your into the 80s, for God's sake, is you know this yeast is just going to get just going to rip, and it's going to get real tired and it'll do what it is just called crashing like it'll yep. just and yeah you know. so you have to be careful with these and watch them if you are doing if you're letting it like go up your yeast will stall especially if you're doing something yeah. like a triple or yeah. even even a double and once and well doubles and triples because then all all of a sudden you're you're creating a shitload of alcohol and that's going to you know once it gets past a certain point if yeah. it isn't one of these higher gravity yeast uh, varietals, it's going to ki- start just killing the yeast. Yep, and then you have to start thinking, all right, so do I try to rouse and see if we can finish this out? Rouse, or restart. Or do you pitch another yeast? Or do you pitch? Uh, um, champagne yeast is champagne commonly yeast. the one that we yeah. that we go with. I'm, I'm looking at two. I I think another one, I think people always want to try out uh, the original um, DuPont Saison strain, mm-hmm. which is one that if you let it free rise too quickly... It will stall. I have seen it on a homebrew level. I've seen it on a on a commercial scale. Uh, you have to pay attention to when you it, have to pace it. So you, you absolutely have to pace it's, it. It's it's your buddy who's like, well, I'm I'm going to enter the ring the wing competition, mm-hmm. and he eats thirty wings in the first five minutes. But it's a twenty minute competition, and you're like, mm-hmm. dude, you didn't pace yourself. Now everybody's going to go after you because you hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. You can be like, dude, you got to pace your wings, bud. And these yeasts, like, what do we always say? Like, they love the party. They like they're going to consume everything that they can. They're going to reproduce as fast as they can, as fast as you let them. So you need to arrest that development with the with the temperature. So uh, trade offs. When we're talking trade offs, because I I really like this italicized trade off thing because it really emphasizes with fermentation. There's trade offs with everything. Well, hang on. I was oh, going to say go real Sorry. quickly. I don't. I can't remember if we addressed this. That <clears throat> you get more phenolics. Okay. 
produced at lower temperatures, so you get more clove at lower temperatures. The the absence of of the high temp esters obviously makes that low temp phenolic stand out. And you know, if you are looking for balance, you would want to be on the lower mm-hmm. side of that frame. That you, you want you want to hit the middles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hit absolutely. The yeah, I mean, if that's what you're going for, if you want a banana yeah. bomb, go for go it. for it. And you just call it laffy taffy. Yeah. So these trade-offs. Uh, yeah. Increased temperature increases mm-hmm. ethyl acetate levels, uh, floral and fruity esters, and may be necessary for some of these yeasts to finish attenuating. Lower temperature restrains ester production and promotes the perception of phenols. So again, we're talking about flavors and yep. well, and then attenuation. Part, exactly. And part of the flavor is attenuation, and so if you are on the lower side, you'll get uh, you know not as highly attenuated beer, and then it won't be as dry. Yeah. So I, I think um, if you're if you're looking at the temperature like a graph, the perfect the perfect graph is you you hold it steady and then allow it to slightly balloon up in the middle of fermentation, and then if you then like let it rise a little bit more at the end, just to make sure everything's attenuated out a little bit, and then cold crash it. All right. Do you agree? Disagree? Oh, I totally agree. Okay. Yes. I mean, the way you said, oh, right, I wasn't sure if I was just talking about my ass or not. No, no, I just, uh, I should shut my text messages off on my <laughs> iPad during this. Because I, I got a text message from Devin Stinson, and I was like, oh, is he going to comment on whatever? And no, it was something unrelated. <laughs> <laughs> he's not listening right now. No, he's not. All I right. wouldn't know. I don't have the chat in front of me. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, pitching rates is the next thing. So, Brian, uh, standard wisdom is what for one, pitching rates? One million per mil. One, I'll just say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't, I shouldn't just slang it. One million cells of yeast per milliliter of wort per degree Play-Doh. So if you're pitching 18.5 million cells per milliliter, it's 1076 or 18.5 Play-Doh, for example. Or you're pitching 7.5 million cells per mil on a beer with an OG of 16.9 Play-Doh or 1069. Well, you, you, you're misreading that. Am I? Bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're talking about, so Omegong is the standard rate. So you got that one right. Um, Mortgat uh, pitches uh, 7.5 cells per milliliter. Oh, so they're under pitching. Okay, no, I did read that incorrectly. Uh, no, they're over pitching. Oh, they are over pitching. Oh no, yeah. yeah, no, I am totally reading that wrong. I'm sorry, yep. everybody. Yeah, yeah they're start they're doing, over. They're doing se- uh, so. Mortgott is doing seven and a half times the normal pitching rate. Orval is doing ten times the normal pitching yeah. rate. So you asked me what the standard rate was, and I got that correct. But. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So we're we're talking about here and basically higher pitching rates lower ethyl acetate levels mm-hmm. very high or very low pitching rates increase ester levels because you're stressing the yeast if you have too much yeast which it's almost impossible to overpitch yeah. um, and it also slams homebrewers again saying that they can just consistently underpitch which well yeah, yeah but well no i mean honestly like you get you would get one if you get one day, you get one package. If you of get yeast, one smack pack, you're under pitching. And you want two easily, mm-hmm. unless you are making starters and you know you're you've gotten to that level. So yep. that that to me, from a home brewing standpoint, was a massive breakthrough. Was oh, it's huge. The, the yeast, you know, X getting factor. getting that getting um, that right. We could not just yet, and if people want to talk about this, we can, and we probably have. But this 
type of yeast and how these pitching rates work and how these beers work, we could potentially talk about using a couple different types of yeast strains in a beer. But I'll just leave it at that because that's a whole rabbit hole. But this would be the way to experiment with it. So blending yeast and yeah, definitely trying to get different different flavors from mm-hmm. different ones, and mm-hmm. they're both doing and then playing with how the rises work and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like this is if you have temp control. So if you guys want that, let us know. Uh, yeah, I think I do because I wanted to talk about it. like it's it's not something I've researched heavily. I know we've done episodes on it, but uh, towards the end of my home brewing stuff, I was kind of farting around with that, but. All right. Um, then uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave kind of this section to you because I don't know much about fermenter geometry. Oh, talking about aspect ratio. So if you if you think about it, your your carboy is a uh, a certain size because it needs to be a certain size. So I think the best way to think about this is if you have your standard carboy and it's the the same size around, you know, the same circumference. And then just pretend that you've got a second carboy stacked on top of it and you're putting 10 gallons into this very tall um, carboy instead of five or nine or, you know, uh, was it like 38 liters instead of 19? The the geometry and the aspect ratio here is going to crush the yeast. There's too much downward pressure. It's called autolysis. And so that is why fermenters have a certain cone size um, and a certain um, and a certain height. Now, widening the cone and making the fermenter a little bit more squat is going to give you more surface area, more substrate, if you will, um, and will, in my mind, and anecdotally, creates better lager because you're flattening that whole aspect out. So. Uh, studies involving this kind of geometry stuff always focus on, well, pretty much everything always focuses on lager beer, except for, you know, this was in 2005, so there's a hell of a lot more information out there. But ester production by yeast is is inversely related to yeast growth. Um, but this, this relationship, you know, you can kind of like break that apart by how the f- fermenter design works. So um, I think this next part I, I already explained, but in a different way. Right. The whole like, don't make the thing too high, and if you do, make the cone wider. We've we and we we this is something we've touched on a few times a little before, bit, and yeah, we I almost think so. I think we need to do another episode on it just because it's it's such a complex topic. Um, I yeah, and it's something that like if you are opening a commercial brewery, you definitely at the homebrew well, level, it's not so much of an issue. Yeah, these um, types of like I think that the these types of beers work better. I think what they're getting at in here is that they work better with those big open rectangular fermenters. Yep, um, because you get just um, a wider area, and that's why lager tanks are on their side and just big, long, the big horizontal tanks, horizontal tanks as opposed to your CC tanks, um, yep. which is cylindro cylindroconical. Uh, hyphenated. Um, it in, in it's linked to like a CO two inhibition, which that's a, a lot to to wrap your head around. Um, but yeah, I think CC tanks are for an efficiency standpoint, and that was kind of the happy, you know, the happy medium with not having a shitload of floor space for big rectangular fermenters. Right. And there's a reason also, like as again that these types relate to wine in as much that uh, there is a big heavy movement of square concrete fermentation vessels um, that work great for this type of beer and those kinds of wine. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, concrete's a big in wine. But isn't concrete permeable? 
um, think about uh, wood and think about how there's there's both b- poor yeah. situation going on in each of those and that just gives more nooks and crannies and what was the other word i used substrate why do they put beechwood chips in the neutral wood substrate. yeah more places for them but, to play around and so do stuff i guess it's like a little playground but like so wine barrels mm-hmm. after a use or maybe two i think they're only single use though for the most part I'm aren't they pretty sure they are yeah because uh wine is so worried about bretomyces yeah and and, I mean, you have the same issue if you're running a clean brewery, too. Mm-hmm. Like, the more substrate you have, I, this this is a completely... If you're this only making that type of beer, it's fine. But anyway, that is off topic. Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry, that's off topic. Uh, you you want to hit the trade-offs for this one, and uh, uh, then we can kind of wrap it up? Can do. Where are the trade-offs? Uh, page 191. Oh, thank you. So, yeah, trade-offs. Horizontal tanks increase esters while... Open fermentation lowers esters because of the additional contact with oxygen. And cylindroconical also lowers esters. So if you want high esters, a horizontal tank. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's I guess that's fermentation. So basically, when you're, when you're looking at these beers, you want, you want to have a flavor profile in mind. And then you want to take these and start tweaking elements and try to get that balance that you want. Do you want high esters? Do you want high phenols? Do you want high um, fusel alcohols? Like, what do you want? Do you want high, just like a high original gravity? What do yep. you want? And you're and you're moving all these sliders, and that's going to give yeah. you your beer. My my, a good takeaway is that the thing you said about Hefeweizen, and like if you're starting to kind of mess with this sort of beer and play with that, maybe um, another big takeaway here is overpitch. And also uh, temp rise, but not too fast. Do a slow rise. Mm-hmm. And the third thing I can think of off the top of my head is, yeah, maybe play with that acid rest too at what? Oh, yeah. 125? Uh, one fi- uh, 112 to one, 113. 112 to 113. Yeah, you said 114 first. And Did I? I gave that to you. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You were real close. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> close enough. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, well, thanks for tuning in this week. If you have any questions, comments, show ideas, uh, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindnerdstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnerdstudios or follow us on Twitter at blindnerdstudios. You can also find us on Instagram at blindnerdstudios. And I'll see you guys next week. Mm.